0: Welcome to MFM Speaks Out, the official podcast of the non-profit advocacy organization called Musicians for Musicians. This monthly podcast is co-hosted by MFM members and musicians Adam Reifsteck and yours truly, Dawood Kringle. MFM seeks to bring together musicians from all disciplines, styles, traditions, and locations in the cause of their mutual self-betterment Whether through education, networking, or political action, MFM's ultimate goal is to elevate the work of all musicians to the level of a true profession. We encourage you to get involved and invite you to visit our website at musiciansformusicians.org. Our guest today is Laronda Davis, National President of the Black Rock Coalition, the co founder and chief creative officer of Flaming Yoni Productions and the Group Creative Director and VP of Publicis. Before we get to the interview, let's listen to some music associated with the BRC. This is a piece called Cult of Personality by Living Color.
1: And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs>
2: The concert boosted I the most
0: Rhonda, Thanks for uh, joining us today.
3: Well, thanks for having me though.
0: Ah, uh, it's always a pleasure.
3: Indeed. Anyway, let's let's let's
0: start with the mission of the BRC. Can you talk a little bit about the BRC's history and what uh what it does for its membership?
3: Sure. Um yeah, it's uh, fortuitous we're doing this now. We're celebrating our 35th anniversary. Congratulations. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um yeah. So in 1985, uh, you know, conditions, of, of course, were different, but some things remain the same. Right. Um, there was a lot of, of pushback against artists who labels who were largely controlling things um, at the time as gatekeepers to, uh, you know, the 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 consumer base. Um, they would say that they couldn't market music outside of, of kind of gender-based, you know, race-based restrictions. So if you were a Black artist who was playing something um, that didn't easily fit their their marketing plans, um, you weren't signed and you weren't given kind of the same um, respect and opportunities that white musicians um, who were allowed to kind of play anything they wanted, um, as long as they looked good in the video, mm-hmm. um, you know so there were there was a lot of of pushback against artists playing whatever their their creative expression wanted them to play um, and hoping to make a career out of it. so um you know, some of these artists came together and they were just like, it doesn't make sense um, why we as basically the the inheritors of rock and roll like you know it is part of our legacy part of our african-american musical legacy Mm -hmm. um and the fact that we aren't able to support ourselves or um you know like we we always bring up the fact that you you have a red hot chili peppers and you have a fishbone but red hot chili peppers is so much more famous and successful and there are many reasons for that um, and why is it, you know, like just kind of backing down and saying that there, there are few reasons for Black artists to not be allowed to express themselves musically in whatever genre they choose as progenitors of many of these types of music. So, and I'm, I'm kind of shorthanding it because of course it was um, a long time ago, um, but the, the, the basic mission of the BRC is to support and champion uh black musical excellence regardless of gender a gender genre um in in an effort to kind of reclaim um the the african-american um right to play rock and roll Hmm. and other forms of music how does the
0: brc go about combating the mindset uh and the Hmm. music business practices that perpetuates this because uh you know we're looking at rock music alone i mean um African Americans invented it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's
3: it's it's interesting because you know we used to run into, and we'll still run into it if you get online and stay there long enough, (laughs) where mm -hmm. people are saying, you know, why are you calling it black rock? You know, rock and roll is for everybody; it's universal. Um, You also get the other side where people are like, obviously, saying black rock is redundant because it comes from black people. Um, but it the, the name itself kind of inspires this need to have this conversation over and over again, because um, it, it's confrontational in the way that, you know, like um, Vernon, when he initially... Vernon Reed. Interviewed about, I'm sorry, Vernon Reed. Yeah, the guitarist the with uh, Living Color. Exactly. Um, he, you know, when he was interviewed, he was like, people were telling him... Um, basically, it's like long haired white boys, blonde hair, you know, that sort of thing is what rock and roll was, as opposed to it being about the music more than the visual Mm -hmm. and the person playing it. So the idea being that, you know, the visual representation of rock and roll has been opposite of African Americans for so long that Mm -hmm. um, African American culture was pushing against acceptance, white culture was pushing against acceptance of Black people playing the music. And it was a matter of making sure that the visibility stayed up for the fact that um, African-American musicians can and do play every type of music. Um, so, you know, we do the way that we do that. We have what we call kind of programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for the most part, we have, um, we have BRC records, which is we have some compilations that we've released over the years. We're mm-hmm. up to about nine compilations, I believe mm. um, just in various, various, re- you know, like some of them, were official through another label. Some of them were, most of them are independent,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, but just kind of collections of the variety of music that um, you know black people contribute to.
0: I believe that uh, one of them was uh, history of our future. Yep, exactly, Correct me so if I'm history wrong.
3: of our future, yep. Um, Blacker than that, those were two official ones we've had mm. um, since then. Um, well, the first one is this legendary cassette, which I've never seen. <laughs> really? But it's called Nine Against Nepotism. And apparently it was kind of used to shop around some of those early BRC bands. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I keep, I'm, I'm told it exists. And I'm looking for one to put in our archive and I can't find it. <laughs> oh, um, so that, would mer- that would
0: merit a, 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 a nice uh, digital re-release.
3: I agree. I yeah. agree, and we're talking about doing that for the 35th, kind of making a compilation of our compilations. Mm. But that's the one that would be missing, you know. Like we, I don't have a representation of what's on there because I don't know what's on it. Um, mm. But no, just so we, we have, you know, compilations that we've released. We've uh, we have Rock and Roll Reparations, which is a series, and we're mm-hmm. up to three, and we'll have our fourth probably come out later this year, early next year, as part of the 35th anniversary. Mm. We've also got DRC Orchestra. Mm -hmm. which is kind of our, our all-star big band, you know, like it's always a different group of not always Um, it's usually a different group of people um, and a different canon of music. So we'll say um, like, for example, at the Met, uh, the Met museum last year Mm -hmm. in September, we did, and funny you should mention, but history of our future um, was the name of the show because it was basically a retrospective of um, black music's roots through, uh, the current day that was a um, really
0: good show i saw
3: that oh, well, uh thank you. online no, no, and uh no. <laughs> you, know, you had
0: had nona hendricks you had bruce Mack, shelly nicole mm-hmm. uh, Sophia had- ramos uh-huh. uh, fantastic negrito yep. know, who else you know, david barnes uh,
3: it was great. It was great. We had the family stand reunion mm. and we ended with um, Vernon and Corey doing um, Cult of Personality with the orchestra. Mm. Mm. So, mm. you know, it's definitely like things like that. So, that was our a BRC Orchestra, an example of the BRC Orchestra. And, um, you know, basically taking on that canon in that particular venue where those particular musicians. Um, that group hadn't been on the stage ever before together, so it creates kind of this um, new collaboration of uh, through existing music, where we're highlighting the init- the the original composers and the new um, performers as kind of like this bridge between, mm. um, w- you know, the legacy of rock and roll and African American contribution to rock and roll, mm. and the current day uh, practitioners of said legacy. Yeah, kind of so. Good. Sorry.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reminded of uh, of uh, this uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix Mm. celebration that uh, Mm -hmm. happened at uh, the Bam Cafe some years back, and you had you know the some of the old school guys. In fact, uh, uh, Juma Salton played with them, and uh, he played with Hendrix. He knew Hendrix. Exactly. But you had also had some young guys that uh, you know were just coming up. that's, you know, giving them the, you know, some play and keeping that uh, momentum and that continuity going.
3: Exactly. Like we, we've had Chogi um, Lama, who's R- Richie Havens' um, grandson has played mm. with us. So it's really, you know, trying, and we, we, that's one of the things, the things that we kind of um, really love about our relationship with musicians and artists and the legacies is that we're, we're, we're less about ourselves than we are about celebrating kind of the art. And I think that's really reflected in, you know, the fact that again we had we had a, a celebration of Richie Havens and his daughter was there and his brother was there. You mm. know, we had uh, our first Nina Simone show. Um, Lisa Simone was there to do the finale with us, Young, Gifted and Black. You know, mm. like these connections to the people who are connected to the the artists is really what we're about. You know, so um, not what we're about, but like we we really kind of pride. Um, respecting and honoring people in that way, because Hmm. it's not, we're not just doing cover tunes. We're, we're, we're basically playing music with kind of the honor that we think it deserves. Um, And I think people can see that and they know that it's, it's all love and all respect. Um, And that, that really helps. So, you know, the, or in the orchestra, like I said, so that orchestra that you're talking about, which was the band of gypsies show um, at BAM, Hmm. we, you know, that was like, we did that once or twice and we've had kind of Hendrix shows we had um an annual Hendrix show for a long time in New York
1: Mm. up
3: up through the mid 90s I believe Mm -hmm. um and you know it was it was run by Wayne Livingston Mm -hmm. and um you know kind of put together and there would be such a varied number of you know like John Paul Borelli played it like Kelvin Bell like there's all these people and I'm I'm in the process of building kind of this master list of all of the people who have participated in DRC shows, and it's really, really impressive and amazing um, the level of skill and talent who um, have touched this organization over the years. It's quite impressive. But, um, so yeah, the orchestra is also like, well, we'll do shows at Lincoln Center Out of Doors, mm-hmm. or um, Summer Stage. Like, we've done, we've done a few really high visibility shows, again, reminding people. Um, like, we have a Tribute to Black Women Songwriters, which is an all-woman orchestra. Um, which has played, you know, Harlem stage and done, you know, like the music of Betty Davis, of course, the music of Mm -hmm. of Tina Turner, like all in one show again. And then some of the members of the orchestra, we do original material within that to show their influences and the result of those influences. So again, just trying to create this visual connection, um, a visual and oral connection to the past and the present and keeping those legacies alive and, you know, our claim on them because African American folks have been kept out of that, that um, financial picture for too long as, as well as the, the cultural picture.
0: You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the financial aspect of it, <laughs> you know, which of course ties into the uh, concept of uh, political activism because mm-hmm. um, there's, there's been organizations in the past wherein uh, African-American m- musicians had attempted to organize and establish some sort of a union-like uh, like mm. organizations. Like um, in, I think it was in uh, 1905, there was a, the New Amsterdam Musical Association. Mm. And um, if I'm not mistaken, the Local 802, uh, was involved in the uh, civil rights movement as far back as uh, 1930s. Would you say that the BRC is an extension of uh, those of those organizations uh, or do you see your uh, your mission as uh, being something uh, different?
3: It's a good question I mean I will admit so you know like I, I got to New York in 95 mm-hmm. and um, you know a lot the BRC meetings were still held at 802 you know and kind of that, that um, connection there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not so familiar with kind of how those organizations run to say what their missions are compared to what ours is. Um, But I will say that we, I think we focus more on kind of being a grassroots support organization Mm -hmm. um, that tries to make opportunities for people that can help them sustain their careers. So um, while we're not necessarily sitting there saying, oh, for this for performances, people should get paid a certain amount, you know, like there, there are some things that I, I believe unions do that they focus on that are directly related to um, kind of making sure that people are equitably paid. Mm-hmm. Um, we we haven't really gone that route with the exception of, you know, like when, whenever we do a show, we try and make sure that everybody, you know, it's either favored nation st- status where everybody gets the same amount. Or you know, like we, we try and make sure not to take advantage of anybody. Like that's definitely not what we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we we haven't really done any work toward you know m- forcing other people to r- make sure they respectfully pay mm-hmm. artists of color. Um, and I think that's and granted I, I may be oversimplifying what uh, what some of the goal of unions is because I know that there's plenty of other aspects other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, again, we know that it's, it's, we're the underdogs and, you know, it's, it's hard to say, um, you know, that, that we know that people who have worked with us have gotten top dollar to do a show or two, but, you know, it's, it's also because we're, because we're grassroots that we don't, we don't take sponsorship money from like corporations or Mm -hmm. um, like we base basically our, the way that we're funded as an organization is um, through production uh, dollars that are given for certain shows that we do, like our orchestra shows that I was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a member-driven organization, so we get dues from members mm-hmm. um, on an annual basis. There's individual membership, there's a band membership, and there's a lifetime membership. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, we have donations. So those are the things that allow us to kind of you know, support um, the, the programs we put together Uh, And then, you know, like, sometimes that includes, um, you know, panels and workshops and things like that. Um, Sometimes that are focused on, um, you know, money and and making sure you get what you deserve and, you know, for the work that you're doing and things like that. Mm. But it's less, it's less our focus. Um, Not to say it shouldn't be and not to say it's not important. It's just not something that we've um, really spent a lot of time in normalizing for our members.
0: Do you see the, the BRC uh, looking into that direction, uh, moving into that direction sometime in the future?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because you're, you're right that that's a valuable thing. And I know that a lot of artists have, um, you know, like livelihoods being in such question right now anyway because mm-hmm. of lack of opportunities to play and trying to figure out what is, you know, a... Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A way to, go to get a decent, um, you know, a decent way to support yourself. As Proper you're, you're remuneration
0: to... for uh, for your efforts.
3: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, as artists, that's always in question. Um, but, you know, you get to a place where you think you're doing okay, or at least you understand what the game is. And then, you know, the the, the labels fold, okay? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, like all of a sudden we're in digital distribution and you're getting two cents for you know, every hundred downloads and then you're like streaming services. And I think there is a lot of doubt and question as to what's going on mm-hmm. um, as far as recorded material. And I think while that's kind of all in flux, um, we, we eventually, um, because we're, we're trying things out like anybody and we have yet to find something that feels like it's the answer mm-hmm. or that it's uh, um, reliable enough for us to say, Hey, this is some great thing that we found. Um if, if we were to level up, which, you know, is one of those things that we've had lots of discussion about, you're, you know, as an as organization that's been around for a while and kind of operating in this goodwill, um, in it for the love space, mm-hmm. uh, you know, most organizations have that where they're like, we could, you know, all of a sudden start taking a lot of, you know, like going for big grants and having those other responsibilities to um, to, to level up. And we haven't done that. Um, and I think that, you know, that could be one of the next levels in in leveling up would be to um, do something like that, to really help guide um, musicians through kind of a fiduciary maze of um, uh, support for the music that they're putting out there, as opposed to uh, financial support for the music they're putting out there, as opposed to kind of the emotional and cultural support mm. that we've been focusing on so far.
0: Yeah, and it seems to me that uh, right now the music business is, uh kind of collapsed and it's sort of like the, the wild, wild west, if you will. That, uh, exactly. There is no one way of doing things. And uh, it actually seems like the perfect opportunity to uh, start uh, rewriting the rules.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: And um, the only thing that, that we need is for uh, musicians to have some sort of uh, – Common ground slash solidarity as to uh, how we're going to go about uh, doing this. You know? Very true. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's
3: also in the in the um, retraining of the audiences,
0: mm. um,
3: because that's part of you know part of the decline in the first place of like the live music venues and at least in New York. I'm speaking for New York, and you know L A. also because we we've had a chapter in Los Angeles.
0: I remember. Um,
3: yeah. So you just um, opened
0: up a whole can of worms with the, the whole thing about uh, retraining the audiences.
3: Well, see, and that's that's so, you know, it's it's interesting because for a while, um, you know, when the there, there would be music and then they would pay for the music, they would pay to see live bands. And then as the venue started squeezing out the live music and bringing in DJs, people got disconnected and then assuming that. And then with the downloads where they don't even see the value in music anymore much less the people making the music
0: yeah it's it's like it's been this trend of devaluing music i mean why why should somebody pay to buy a download when they can uh, listen to it for free or buy a cd or whatever
3: exactly so that totally changes like the earning opportunities for musicians to um merch and to touring and then touring is also unreliable Mm -hmm. and impossible right now so um, you know, you see a lot of people trying things out, uh, you know, like doing the live streaming and the you know, band camp where you donate a certain amount. Um, but it's it's hardly um something that seems reliable to say this is this is how I'm going to make rent every month.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, but then again, we have we have so many like entrepreneurial musicians because that's just the style and the DIY nature of it. but like, for example, I'm gonna call out Honeychild Coleman from who's got a band called the 1865
1: mm-hmm.
3: and you know in this time she's like she's switched to you know uh, she's created a company like overnight DIY for Life, which she may mm-hmm. have been doing always but you know making masks and making like merch and making like all of these things that, that kind of help support um, her making her music through other means because the music isn't always the place you know that, that those opportunities happen now. Mm. Um, but it is, it is a shame that, um, you know, you're either super, super rich off of music or you're continually searching off of music. And mm. that seems to be the majority of where people are right now.
0: Yeah. I'm not a Kiss fan, but, uh, Gene Simmons, <laughs> I, I never yeah. was, I never liked their music and I really don't like Gene Simmons, but he once brought up a very interesting point that, you know, if you're, if you're selling music, you're in the music business. If you're selling mm-hmm. T-shirts, you're in the T-shirt business. Yes, and, exactly. Um, and it seems like there's a kind of a gray zone there where uh, musicians are forced into that uh, position where they have to simultaneously
3: mm-hmm. think
0: in all of these different ways. Um, totally. In fact, uh, one time, a long time ago, I was talking to Nona Hendricks, and she told mm. me something I never forgot she said, "If you want to be successful, develop yourself as an artist and develop yourself as a business person, and keep them separate."
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And who I might argue with Nona? Hendricks. I was about
3: to say, <laughs> yeah. Nona is definitely one of those people. You should take every word as mm-hmm. just gospel because you talk about longevity. You talk about um, kind of owning your own shit. Just, I'm sorry if I can cuss. Um, just talking about like making sure that you are unassailably. Your own artist, mm-hmm. and that in every every um, channel that mm-hmm. people encounter you, they see that, um, and just kind of keeping that visibility up with the same with the same spirit of, you know, art is just uh, and and doing that for decade upon decade upon decade um, is just really really an admirable uh, admirable thing about Nona, who is on our board of directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, very proud to say that. Um, yeah, Nona gets Nona gets things done.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, she is a formidable woman.
3: But again, to your point though, you know sometimes you sh- you know there there are many artists who um, who aren't who have been given a pass who who get to just kind of be artists and not have to deal with all of those other aspects. Mm. And then there there are artists who um, don't get that kind of support from other channels like, you know, mainstream and, and things like that, that have to do a lot more for themselves. And that, that we know that, that becomes very, you know, it, it fractures, you know, attention. It does a lot to kind of the general psyche of artists to have to do so much or mm-hmm. to feel like you, you, you have to rely on other people to get your message out there. So um, yeah, it's it's tough.
0: Yeah, it always is, but it's not impossible.
3: Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Let's take
0: a break and listen to some music. This is a piece called I Know Who I Am by Nona Hendrix. <laughs> The BRC, uh, you you made it clear that uh, it's uh, not uh, a foundation or an association or a union of black musicians. That uh, yeah. you have a different agenda, yet at the same time you're uh, fulfilling a needed function. And uh, we mentioned, we talked about the fact that you're uh, you might be uh, moving into a direction that deals with music activism and helping to develop a viable model in the music business that uh, mm. pays musicians the what they what they deserve mm-hmm. I suppose I don't have to go over the history of uh, of, of, the, of uh, music business uh, you know some of these uh, record deals where the uh, the recoupable ha- only comes out of the artists royalties which are often oh, like 17 or 19 cents per CD sold at uh, retail stores Cost yeah. yeah yet there is also a need to address these things, and um, I'd like to take a moment and mention that uh, the BRC has been a friend of uh, musicians for musicians since since our uh, very beginnings mm-hmm. um, the BRC is listed in on our website's friends page and we've <laughs> uh, reviewed some of the BRC events like the congrats BRC at thirty event I would in our uh, sister publication, dooby-dooby-doo.info, the BRC has been so kind as to promote us, our, our MFM's events, on, uh, and your newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, and for which we are very grateful. In fact, if memory serves me, you were the very first person to be photographed with a placard with the <laughs> hashtag, Making Music is a Profession.
3: Oh, that's, possible. that's yeah, possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to Saurabh Sadatla Javardi, the president, and he he mm-hmm. brought that up. And I'm saying, really? <laughs> and uh, so I was like, uh, oh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful.
3: Because, yeah. I mean, and I know you're probably going to ask a question, but, um, you know, like one thing that we have, you know, steadfastly done is support, organiz- like even if we- that's not our mission, right? Mm-hmm. Our mission is to um make sure that artists feel supported and that there the opportunities that are out there, you know, are available to them. So we're all about kind of sharing the love for organizations that are doing the work that, you know, even whether we're doing it, even if it's, you know, like um it feels like it's not necessarily connected to us or it feels like it's competition, which there is no competition as far as I'm concerned, when mm-hmm. you're supporting artists making music, um, you know, we're all for kind of um, supporting each other. Mm-hmm.
1: So
0: that's great. In fact, uh, you know, the BRC, do, does the BRC collaborate with other musicians organizations such as uh, MFM, the American Federation of Musicians, the Local 802 and, and specific projects that that uh, assist and empower musicians?
3: Um, we and I'm going to I'm going to probably misspeak. Well, since i've been around i don't know that we've done specific things with other organizations by way of um like collaborative musical events um like i said we i do know that we had a relationship with 802 but i think it was only in using the space and having you know workshops and panels and you know opening um some things up like that we've had um you know like really we Willie may rock camp for girls which is based out of brooklyn um we did do one show with them it was kind of like a joint fundraiser and that was the first time that we kind of debuted our tribute to black women songwriters um, and it was like a um, you know kind of a kindred spirit um, display of kind of the badassery that is women and black women um, mm-hmm. as musicians and songwriters and performers. Um, but we, you know, it's really, it's really opportunistic. I'm not saying that we don't do it because we have an, uh, an aversion to it. It's just that um, sometimes we focus on the things that the projects that we have um, on the calendar rather than the potential ones that we could pursue. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Like we, we're a volunteer-run organization, also. Mm-hmm. Um, so you so know, nobody's getting our, a paycheck. Nobody's getting a paycheck. This ah. is all on top of. Uh, just kind of our regular day jobs and you know some of us are involved in when I say some of us I mean the the executive board Mm -hmm. Um, some of us are involved in things that that ladder up to music um, and some of us aren't so it's it's really in just making sure that we're um, doing the events that we can do with as much attention as they need to to do them well Mm -hmm. and to represent the organization and make sure that we stay on mission and, and do as much as we can but there are so many things that um that we know we would love to do and that we know um, we would benefit from and that audiences benefit from and um that we that we just don't get into um but again that's that's all opportunity like we we always say that the brc is what we make it Mm -hmm. so if somebody comes to us with a great idea or um you know like one of our members um is into this like um we we do have something where um some some of our members, you know, work together to try and pitch an idea to this other company um, to represent to make sure that they get some representation of the history of BlackRock in their programming, and we, you know, happily helped with that um, mm-hmm. as far as as um, you know, kind of you know sideline endorsement. It was kind of like a low key endorsement, but um, just making sure that they were able to do that because we, as an organization, were not at the time. So, you know, um, we try and help. But um, there's, there's lots of opportunities out there, and that's why we keep going, because there's more we can do, mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's a lot more uh, that, that can, we can build on um, from today and for the next 35 years, you know? Hmm.
0: So uh, as far as things like uh, musicians' rights, copyright issues, et cetera, mm-hmm. yeah, the BRC has uh, primarily been almost, almost an educational Yes. Uh, organization yeah. has the BRC actually uh, done any events that to educate people about uh, uh, the the uh, machinations, if you will, of the music <laughs> business.
3: Yeah, we've had we've had like um some panels mm-hmm. to that effect. Um, and we haven't had any recently out to to be fully honest. Um, but we you know like when the opportunity arises, we have done panels that. Depending on what um, um, content people are looking for, uh, we gather, of course, the experts that we have in our circles, and we try and make sure that there's um, enough wisdom there for people to to tap into and ask questions of. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the and I say we haven't done it recently. The last panel that I remember us doing was 2015, actually, mm. um, when we at South by Southwest actually, which was less of a You know, down and dirty, nitty gritty music business conversation, um, Mm -hmm. and more of a representation and the diversity within diversity conversation. Mm. So it was, it was more tapped again tapped into the visibility than into um, specific artists. um, You know, building those tools Mm. uh, for themselves. So, but that that's always been part of our like that's one of our programs is BRC University. and so, for our in 2015, for our 30th anniversary, the when you were talking about um, congrats to BRC on the 30th, mm-hmm. um, one thing that we did was we did a series of like we did something every day of the month of September. And mm. um, one of those things, you know, we had we had, um, you know, orchestra shows. And I believe actually that's when we did the Band of Gypsies stuff. Mm. I believe it was in 2015 in in September, um, although I could be wrong. But um, you yeah, know, we okay. had a voice clinic with Corey Glover. Mm. Um, we had um, we had a screening of like of some of our top performances from over the past 30 years at the time. Mm. Um, you know, just like snippets to show people um, again the history. I'm trying to remember what our workshop was, mm. um, and for some reason I can't. We've had panels to discuss legacies, um, in particular canons of music. We've had panels to, we had a panel early on, which was like how to um, use the internet for music, which of course was clearly a long time ago. I think it was like in the late 90s. You know, like we, we tried to do um, those touch point moment conversations.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened within FM is that Dr. Cornell West uh, mm-hmm. joined our advisory committee Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, been contributing to our, uh, mission. Dr. West, uh, ever been involved in the BRC in any way?
3: That is a, it's a Greg Tate question. Cause I believe the answer is yes, but I don't know in what capacity. And I, I, I would not want to say absolutely because Greg Tate, I find out knows everybody and that everybody has touched the BRC at some point in time mm. without me knowing it sometimes.
0: COVID-19 pandemic i mean that just that just threw a monkey wrench into everything uh how was the how was the brc and uh its membership uh handling the uh the limitations and the difficulties that the pandemic is imposing upon the music business
3: yeah um i mean from a from an organizational perspective you know a lot of just like anything a lot of the shows that we had uh planned for our 35th anniversary um particularly we had a kind of encore performance at the Met that was supposed to take place in October that was really going to be kind of an anchor for our 35th anniversary celebrations um, that of course went away so even as a and I know a lot of touring musicians also would have be in that same boat where Mm -hmm. those big ticket items that were supposed to you know propel you through the rest of the year go away and all of a sudden you're sitting there trying to figure out how to not only you know perform or you know um Find a platform for your music. You're trying to figure out how to pay the um, rent. Pay the rent, exactly. And you you find yourself in this time when there's so much to say. You know what mm-hmm. with the continued police brutality and murder, um, and you have no real place for it other than this computer. You know, which uh, I know a lot of musicians, at least old school musicians, had been um, not able to step, you know, like the the difference between seeing a live show and being part of a live show that so many of us appreciate, um, kind of trying to distill that into a computer, into a device so that people can consume it Mm -hmm. um, has been a hard transition. Not to say that it's, you know, like there there's some opportunities where it really comes through. You'll see people doing um, really kind of cool things like this, um, I don't know if you know the artist Bilal um, who did, he, he kind of did this whole thing where it was just uh, three days of live recording in various, you know, like with the, the musicians in different locations. Um, and, and they made the whole thing like live so you could watch it, which I, I appreciated for the, the ability to show people the process again, like get people involved in not just the product
1: mm-hmm.
3: or, um, you know, in the video, like you see how and all of the work that goes into making the music. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, also kind of bridging that gap, which I'm using that word again, but between, um, you know, the composition and the performance and the recording and the engineering and then the release. So there was just a, um, you know, that was an interesting way to show and get people involved in the final product so that then, you know, it was a way to then say, Hey, you could pre, you can pre-order the the record once it's fully mixed, Mm. um, and so it was, you know, that was an interesting thing. You see a lot of people doing, you know, like through um, Blue Note, for example, continue to do things where they would release old performances early on, and then they started doing things where people were were streaming from their houses d- during certain, certain, um, you know, like an hour here and there, but you have to be pretty established for, for things like that to happen. Um, it also depends on where people are, like, um, if you're in New York and the venues are shut down, it's harder, but if you're in, say, Texas, where there's still some venues that are open with restrictions, um, people are able to get out there and, you know, hopefully start re-entering that performance phase and, and that kind of earning phase of their their careers and, and lives.
2: Hmm.
3: Um, we've seen, you know, we've seen a lot of questioning and a lot of people trying to figure out Um, And again, like, you know, some people who aren't necessarily as tech savvy, trying to see how they can rebuild these connections through through digital time and space, which opens up these great opportunities for you to reach audiences that you've never reached before who are in Australia, you know, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's a different level of intimacy and in a different um it's a different, a different art path. form really it's a different art form absolutely and which true.
0: is in, in its infancy and you know people mm-hmm. are starting are trying to figure out how to how to turn that into an art form
3: exactly yeah. and then how to monetize that art form
0: exactly yeah
3: so yeah there there are plenty of platforms that make it easier but then you can't necessarily make money off of them
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, and then there are plenty and you know not only can you not make money off of them they're making money off of you doing that so it's even you know like you get into all these kind of moral dilemmas again you've got this gatekeeper between you and your music and the people who want to consume it and the people in the middle um, are making all the ad money they're the ones with all of these kinds of the metrics on the audience that you don't have you don't know who's watching you you know per se unless they give you information but mm-hmm. the, the host site knows everything, and so you're you're really helping them build things. When you're you have less um, kind of control over who it is that is controlling that information.
0: Tell us about your work with Flaming Yoni and with uh, mm. Publicis.
3: <laughs> sure.
0: Flaming so, um, Yoni. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, <know. laughs> I just got a vivid mental. Never mind.
3: And now it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. That um, Flaming Yoni Productions is a is a company that I have with an artist named Tamar Kali.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So she's, you know, again, kind of DIY punk uh, uh, minded artist. Mm-hmm. who You know, you got his hardcore warrior soul it was how um, when we first started, she was kind of branding herself. Um, and has since of course as a consummate musician evolved now she's doing scores for films and um, mm-hmm. she actually just got added to the um the class that um what is it the the academy to nominate and to vote on she, she's part of the um the oscars academy really you know? yeah because of the work she's done on on films so you know just in that in your you talk about evolutions of musicians and um, trying to have access, so she she's part of that that um, understanding that there's been underrepresentation of African American artists in various forms in film, um, scoring soundtracks, composition being among them. Um, so she is, of course, now recognized as one of those up and coming um, people for the work she's done on like she did Mudbone, um, Mudbone, sorry, Mudbound. Mm-hmm um she's worked on a few movies that have come out since that you know like she she was she won an award for and I'm going to say this like song it was songwriter score writer or something of the year um Mm -hmm. and I'd have to track that down to be exact about it but you know like she's getting her recognition but so she and I have a production company to to basically release not only her material but hopefully put on events um, like we, we haven't put on as many as we would like because, of course, other obligations get in the way. But um, just to to create kind of a different platform for, um, uh, you know, African-American musicians to kind of do their thing um, and have some impact in the world. How about uh, publicists? <laughs> so publicists is my day job. Ah. Um yeah but it's it's basically I'm a group creative director at this agency it's It's a huge kind of um, international organization where mm-hmm. our main office is in France. Um, New York is the second largest office mm. i've uh, I basically am uh, you know in charge of one of the the divisions that creates the advertising um, for uh, for one of our clients. Mm. so yeah. It's
0: uh yeah you know it's advertising. Oh, advertising, publicity. <laughs> well,
3: it's publicis because it's French. Publicis, and it has to yeah. A well, yeah.
0: Forgive me. My French is awful.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I think that just about covers any everything. Uh, is there anything that you want to to add to kind of wrap things up?
3: Uh, I think <laughs> that you know, like people's involvement in organizations is you know part of that activist spirit that's going to move things ahead. So you know, all of that, um, whatever it is that you believe in, kind of making sure you find other people to amplify your voice and make sure that it's kind of like a um, a collaboration and just a, a strength in numbers kind of endeavor. Some, and that's, BRC, like I say, has been around for 35 years. And, you know, if we have a, an event tomorrow, um, if we were able to, mm-hmm. uh, you would find people there from 35 years ago, and you'd find people who don't even know who we are there, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of like this sense of just continuing these human connections through art, which is so powerful and and through kind of this historical cor- correction that says that um, you know we we have always been here mm. um, and we will continue to be here because we have every not only every right to be here we are you know the torchbearers for this stuff and mm-hmm. it's been um, and the architects you
0: know, of this music
3: the architects exactly and it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, like when people talk about in this, in this continuing um, conversation about diversity, I'm always saying that if you only see one side of blackness and, and that's in your mind diversity, then you're still missing the point. Um, the idea is that there is no limit to what black is. Mm-hmm. Um, there never has been. And whether that's, that's musical, whether that's, you know, whatever, whatever the impression of, um, you know, we're not, uh, just what you you have been told, um, what you see. It's anything that you can imagine, you know, we are doing in this, you know. And so it's just keep in people's faces with the truth is very important.
0: Hmm. In fact, uh, there have been white people who have been uh, members of the BRC.
3: Oh, yes, there sure have. But yeah, like digitizing those old newsletters and kind of putting up, because pearls of wisdom, you know what i'm saying like there's mm-hmm. all kinds of good stuff up in there
1: yeah
3: um and and things that are resonant today that you know we can kind of do this throwback and again remind people that some of this stuff isn't new uh, so our responses to it have to be mm-hmm. you know um yeah so yes <laughs> we we've had lots of lots of members who aren't african-american we've had lots of members who aren't musicians i'm not a musician mm-hmm. um we've had you know tons of people who are just who like, like 13, they just kind of give to give Mm -hmm. um, without wanting any, you know, any kind of involvement. And we've had some people who are like, I want to get my hands dirty and get in there. So Mm. we've had, you know, people, like I say, Australia, we've had people from all around the world. Mm. Um, We've, you know, have people who are just down the street. So it's, it's really this, this, the spirit of supporting the musicians who are the kernel, you know, the kernel of culture, just the, the people who often get overlooked, um, who have given so much. And that's the light we keep trying to shine. Mm.
1: Um,
3: But yeah. Well,
0: well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you for a great interview and for a great discussion. I enjoyed every minute of it. And I look forward to uh, to the BRC and MFM working together and doing great things together.
3: Yes, that that would be great. I look forward to that too.
0: You have been listening to LaRonda Davis, the national president of the Black Rock Coalition, the co-founder and chief creative officer of Flaming Yoni Productions, and the group creative director of Publicis. The topics we discussed included the history of the BRC, its mission and accomplishments, their unique approach to music activism, their relationship with organizations such as MFM, AFM, and the Local 802, combating racism in the music industry, surviving the COVID-19 pandemic, and looking towards the future. Thank you for joining us. Let's finish with a track by 24-7 spies called Grandma Dynamite.